0: So this week's parsha <coughs> it's parsha shmini. Right at the beginning of the parsha, it says, It was on the eighth day, and this is when Mesher Abeinu called and summoned Aaron and his sons to come for the very first time to do the Aveda and the Mishkan. This is a very exciting and historic day, not just for Klal Yisrael then, but for the entire world. In fact, the Gemara in Megillah on Daf Yudah says that that day, Yom Hashmini, the eighth day of the Miluim, after seven days of sort of warming up for this moment, when Moshe Rabbeinu, every day of the seven days prior to Rosh Chedesh Nisan, erected the Mishkan, and then took it down, and erected it, and they were sort of like making sure that they were ready for this final day of the eighth day of the miluim, which was our Chedesh Nisan. This was a day, says the Gemara, that there was simcha lufnea There was such joy before ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu, ki shamayim ba-aretz. Apparently the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created heaven and earth was a very joyous day as well. This was actually the culmination of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, before the world was created, was very much here. He was always present, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted a world and he wanted a place that he could dwell, as it were and find creatures that would proclaim him as melech, creatures that were bali bechira that had the freedom to choose right from wrong and yet would decide to follow him. That was a very joyous day when the world was created and Adam was created. Obviously, uh, that didn't work out too well. The first day of Adam's uh, existence in this world, him and Chava, committed a terrible Avera, they ate from the Yitzhadas, and from then on, sort of the world devolved from a mukham that was hashras Hashchina, that was designed for hashras Hashchina, to a place that sort of HaKadosh was banished from this world, and he removed himself one step at a time until he was back up in heaven, and this world was sort of... Uh, without that special Shechina dwelling here because of that avera, And then finally on this day, the Yem Shmini L'miluim, HaKadosh Barucho was sort of a, allowing us to atone for that initial sin of Adam, and he's coming back down again. So this is a very historic day in history. It was the happiest day since that first attempt at bringing the Shechina down by the day that the world was created. HaKadosh Baruch was allowing himself to come down to this world again. It was like a new world order, a new experience that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was granting us the ability to atone for everything that happened prior to this. And so it was a great, joyous event, the Shmini And the Gemara elsewhere describes how there were so many crowns that were given to this day. It was a day of firsts. You know, sometimes there is a, a book of uh, first things. It's a very special thing. The first time this ever happened in history, the first time that ever happened. This day of Shemini Lemiloim was many, many firsts. It was the first day of Karbunus, the first day of the Mishkan, it was the Yam Rishon, it was a Sunday. It was the Yam Rishon of, of, and they discuss why that's so significant, but there are many firsts that took place on Yam Shmini, and so it was a day of great joy. And with that as a background, this special day was the day that Kara Meshela Aaron It was the day that Mesh says to Aaron and Bonav, okay, it's time for you to start doing your Abidah. This was the first time that Karbanis were brought in a formal way. We brought Karbanis on Harsinai, Adama Rishan brought a karban, Nayath brought a carbon, uh, the aves brought Karbanis. But the first day that officially, opening day of the Mishkan, that the Karbanis that will be brought were really as Hakkadish Parchu wanted, Lareach Nichayach Lashem, this was the first day. And so Aaron and, and his children had this special schus of leading and bringing the Karbanis. And it was all with a backdrop backdrop of Bayhi Baye Mashmini. It was the eighth day. It was the day that there was great joy. And I believe that this is a very significant point to be made. There's a Rambam in Hilchas Klei HaMikdash. The Rambam says in Perak Hei Halacha Tesvav Yigdal HaKai speaking about the Avedes Kaihanim. I once had a... I have a Rebbe who, when I was in Ishir about... Um, Many, many years ago, probably when I was around your age, maybe a little younger. Um, so he said uh, he was a genius. This Rabbi was like, he's still, he's like, uh, he's probably, he, he's, I, I would say he's arguably the greatest Hamad Chacham alive today. It's a big, it's a big statement to make, but I, he was then already that. And that was decades ago. In any event, he once said a very cute vart. He said that if you look in the Rambam, Hilchas Klei HaMikdash, so you find not just about the Kalim of the Mikdash, which you'd expect to find in those halachas, but the Rambam also writes the Dinim of Kahuna. He, he writes not just about the Aron and the Menayra and the, and the uh, Mizbeach and all of that, that, that deserves to be there, but the Rambam also goes into the Dinim of the Kahuna, what the kaihanim do and, and where they do it and in what age they should start doing it and under what circumstances they do the abaidah, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, all of that is also put into the Rambam, Hilchas Klei HaMikdash. So my Rabbi said he always wanted to say a Vart that why did the Rambam put it in Hilchas Klei HaMikdash? Because the Kihanim were also Klei HaMikdash there was a menorah, and there was a mizbeach, and there was an aron, and there was all of the the physical utensils that were part of the of the mikdash. That's klaim mikdash. But kaihanim were also tools of the mikdash. They were also instruments of the of the, of the beis They were human instruments. They were the ones that were performing the daily avaida in the beis Mikdash. So they're also Kleha ha mikdash. That's why they deserve to be in the ramah milchas mikdash. He says this Vart was my favorite Vart, or he really liked the Vart a lot until the Frankel Rambam came along when it was published and it ruined the whole Vart. Why? Because what the Frankel Rambam did was, and the Frankel Rambam is a masterpiece, it's a masterpiece on many levels. They went through all the ancient texts of the Rambam and perfected it and put all the Shina and the in it and they got everything a thousand percent right they had a team of scholars that worked on this for decades making sure that every letter of the Rambam is meduyuk. and in the back of course just to put a a cherry on top they added the Sefer Maftas in the back so anything that any ha'ara that was ever significantly spoken about by any of the great Nisei Kalim of the Rambam any safer that speaks about it is put in the back. It's, a, it's an amazing work. It's, a, it's unbelievable. It's a, so in the Rambam, in the Frankel Rambam, it doesn't call it Hilchas Klei Mikdash. He found the right Gersa. Before Frankel, it was always Hilchas Klei Mikdash. If you go to, after the Shemuz is over and you open up a Frankel Rambam of Hilchas Klei Mikdash, it says Hilchas Klea Mikdash, Veha Ba. And those that serve therein. He found that that was the right gyrsa, so but he said that killed my vart, because I had a great vart and he destroyed it. Anyway, in the Ramam Yilchas Klei Mikdash, in Perek Hey Halacha Tesvav, the Ramam writes an amazing thing. He says as follows yigdal ha-kayin, When the Kayin becomes mature, when he becomes a bar mitzvah or beyond, when he becomes a bar mitzvah. He becomes somebody that's eligible now based on his age to perform the aveda The Yase'ish, he becomes a man. Kasher At that point he is permitted to enter the Mikdash and to do the Avedah. But he must not enter for the first time to do his aveda into the Mikdash. Ela Imrim Shira. Only when the Levi'im are playing their instruments and they're singing Shira, we know that part of the experience of the Beislam Mikdush was it was a place of great joy. It was a place that not only did the Kaihanim do their Aveda with their Karbanis, but the Levi'im had their special job. They had actually two jobs, the Levi'im did. They were Mishayarim. They were the ones that opened and closed the gates of the, of the Mishkan and the Mikdash. And they were Mishayarim. They were the ones that would sing Shira. When did they sing Shira? They sang Shira over the Karbanis. At different Karbanis, they sang Shira, the Shir Shalyayim that we say every morning by Davanin. Hashir Shalavim Hayu Imrim Bevesa Mikdash alavim this was the shira that they said in the basement every day there was a daily shira and then they sang it on special occasions they sang it by a uh, by carbon musaf not just by the daily carbon tamid the day, which is the shira shel yayim that we say every day after davening but uh, by the musaf there were special uh that were said based on the day of Yamtif that they brought a musaf whether it was Rosh chayesh whether it was Pesach Shavuot Sukkot Rosh Hashanah there was always a Shira, and the Leviim would sing it and then they would be accompanied by instrumentals there would be it was a beautiful experience by the Carbon Pesach the Leviim would sing the Hallel while the Kaihanim were shechting the Carbon Pesach so the Rambam says something fantastic the Rambam says that a Kain should not come and enter to do his First act of Aveda unless there's the levim singing their music and playing their music at that time. So let's say I'm a bar mitzvah boy and I want to, it's exciting for me, I get to go and do the aveda in the Mikdash. I'm a Kayin, I want to do my aveda for the first time, I want to um, you know, help out with the Karbanas. I want to I bring one of the, the minchas that the Kayin brings, or whatever the avaida that was necessary to be done by the Kayin. I want to do it. I'm a bar mitzvah boy. So whoever was the, the maitre d' of the Beis HaMiktosh would say, hold on, you can't come in yet. You have to wait until the music starts. Once there's music, and once the Levine are singing, that's when you're allowed to come. And then they open the door for you and say, okay, go ahead. But if there's no music, this Bar Mitzvah bacher Kayin is not allowed to come in to do his, his first avaida. Maybe tomorrow he can. But the first time that you come into the Mikdash as a Kayin to do your avaida, it has to be what? It has to be joyous. It has to be happy. There has to be an assurance that the environment... That the Avirah in which the Cain is coming to do his Aveda for the first time is pure joy. There is Levium singing. And I was thinking that perhaps that's the reason for this very first line, this very first Pasuk in this Parsha. When did Moshe call Aaron and Banab to start doing the Aveda in earnest? It had to be that day of great joy the day, as the Gemara says, that was never as joyous since HaKadosh Baruch Hu created heaven and earth, that is the only time that Aaron and his children may enter to do his Aveida. Aaron didn't come into the, into the situation because it happened to be Yom Hashmini, and that was the day to do the Aveida. Yom Hashmini was the happy day, and that's why that was the day that now Aaron was permitted to enter to do the Aveida. And this is, of course, a very big yesaid for our life. And that is that whenever you entered it into something, whenever you want to start chinuch, whenever something begins, and, and whether it's for a, a baby being born, or a bar mitzvah bachor, or a marriage, or, or the first week of the Zman, the first Friday of the Zman, the first Shabbos of the Zman, It has to be, the chinuch has to be in a matzah of joy. Chinuch has to be with happiness. If you're going into something and you're starting off and it's like tepid and it's uh, not so happy and it's regular, it's mundane, it's not joyous, that's not chinuch. Chinuch, in order to be mechanech something, in order to, chinuch doesn't mean education. Chinuch really means inauguration. Like Chanukah's habayis, Chanukah's hamishkan. Chanukah, Chanukah means that it's an inauguration. You're starting something fresh. When you start something fresh, you have to do it with simcha. If it's not an environment of simcha, it's not a simcha. It's not, it's not chinuch. Because it's not going to go in. You're not, if you're not happy doing something, you're not going to want to do it. You know, there was a great Talmud Chacham in Yerushalayim. Who was one of the Rosh Hashivas of Kaltaira, which is the yeshiva that I happened to have gone to when I was a Bacher? It was the yeshiva of Shemiz Amenarabach. Rabbi Marzbach was one of the founding Rosh Hashivas. He was from Germany, he was a, a phenomenal Tamil Chacham. And just to give you an example of how great a Tamil Chacham this man was before we get to his Vart, when he was interviewing, Different perspective, Rosh Shivas. One of them was Rav Shlomo Zalman He, of course, without giving away the secret, but I told you already, he got the job. But in order to get the job, there had to be a process, like you know, like a Rav when he tries out for a shul. It's called a prabha. Uh It's it's sort of just like a it's it's your. It's your test. It's a test to see whether or not you know how to give a shear, whether or not the Bachim enjoy the shear. It's like a model lesson that a Rebbe gives before he could get a job in Chinuch. So, Rab Shleiman Zaman was giving his shear. It was like a tryout shear. And all the Rosh Hashib was sitting up front because they wanted to see whether or not he was Roy for this position, great position. And all the Bachim and Yeshiva were there. And they were, you know, Rab Zaman was already a shamed over when he was 18 years old. He already wrote the Sefer that blew the whole world of halacha away. with. It was called Ma'arei Eish, about electricity. This was the time that electricity was just beginning to become you know, popular and, and used. And there are many halacha questions about how it worked. What is electricity? Is electricity Eish? Is it not Eish? The Chazinish had his opinion. And Rabbi Shalem did a lot of research on this. He knew, he was like the world expert. Rabbi Feinstein, I think, writes about him that you should ask Shlomaz Amnerbach because he's the expert in this field. It's interesting how he became the expert in this field. He had a mother who was a great sadekis, and he was very close to her. And he bought her as a young child because she was hard of hearing. He 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 he, he won a lot of contests, as you can imagine. You know, like they have Safra cards here in Yeshiva. So, back then, they didn't have Safra cards. They had money. They gave out money. So, if you knew Mishnayis, Bapeh, if you knew Gemara, Bapeh, if you knew Halacha, Bapeh, whatever it was, you got money. And most of the boys, they went with the money, and they bought Svarim. Uh, he went, Rav he went and bought a hearing aid for his mother, which was a very expensive thing. It was not like the little hearing aids that we have today. It was probably closer to like a headset or something. It was, uh, you know, headphones. But he bought it, and then he wanted to figure out exactly the halacha ramifications for her. Is it, are you Yaitze Megillus Esther by listening to it with hearing aids, listening to Kriya with hearing aids, Kriya Satayra, Kia Sheifer? So he, he did a lot of research into electricity, and eventually it served him very well because he wrote the classic Sefer on, on electricity and halacha. When Reb Chaim Eizer the Paisak Hadar, the Gadol Hadar, in Vilna, got a copy of the Sefer. He wrote, "Ar Chadosh Al Entire." There is a great light that's coming out from And He saw already that this young, eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old Bachar, Shlemes Arbach, uh was the, the future of Klal Yisrael. He was the Ar Chadosh Al in Tzion in Eretz Yisrael. There is a new light that's 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 rising. Anyway, Rav Shlameh was a of dover, so he, it wasn't like he was a stranger to anybody, but he came to give this inaugural shear, and a lot was hinging on it. So he gave a shear. he started giving his, you know, his first khidish, his opening salvo khidish. Rav Yainam one of the Rosh Hashivas, interrupts him and asks a question on his shear, and basically, ostensibly, destroys the entire shear. Because he dropped a bomb on, on on the on the on the core of the, the core principle of the shir, he basically utterly destroyed. Now Rupshlamizaman Ban Vesanusa, with his great Aniva that said he was known for, he basically said Ta'isi. He says, My bad, I was wrong. Rev Marzbach is right, I'm wrong. And then he he basically said another Shikaltira or he continued the Shir, but without Using that principle that he was trying to uh to develop. After the shear, he told somebody, Ruchlaim Zalman, that he could have answered the question that Ravyana Meierzbach said, but Aliba de emes, he, he thought that it was there was truth to it, and he didn't want to uh to figure out a way to circumvent it because there was truth, and I he didn't want to argue. He could have. He could have come up with a chap and, and got around it or figured out a chiluk, but he basically he was he was more comfortable just simply saying ta'isi. On the other side of town, Rabbi Yehuda was discussing, you know, with his committee with the about you know whether to hire this this young Rabbi Azalman for the position of the, the Rosh Yeshiva of Kaltera, and he said, and they said, well, I don't know, you destroyed his shir- it doesn't bode so. He said, are you ridiculous? He says, we're giving him the job because he said Ta'isi. That's the type of person that we want. We want somebody that's intellectually honest, that has the honesty and the morality and the integrity with Taira to be able to be Maidala Emes, whether or not he could have gotten around it or not. I'm sure he could have figured out a way around it, but that simple one-word answer of Ta'isi makes me want him as Rosh Shiva, and they hired him. And the rest is history. He made Kol to the great yeshiva that it was. He put it on the map. But that's where Rav Marzbach was. And listen to the vart that Rav Marzbach says based on the Rambam that I told you in Hilchus Klei Amikdash. She says that I think that the entire simcha that we make for a bar mitzvah is rooted in this Rambam. It's a funny thing. Like a bar mitzvah boy turns thirteen, he didn't really accomplish anything in life. It's not like he did anything. He just aged. He just he became thirteen. And what do we do? We make a big simcha for him. And you you know if you're you know then in America I think it, it's sort of a given that you make him uh, you know a party with a with a with a band or at least a one man band. And there's dancing and there's and there's a meal, and there's a Shabbos, and there's a this, and a, and, and gifts, and 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 a pshetel, and it's a whole maimed, It's a whole thing. What do he do? He turned bar mitzvah. What, that's such a big accomplishment. I understand. You know, you got married. That's something. But bar mitzvah, is, he just aged. <laughs> he turned thirteen. So you make him a big bar mitzvah. What, what's going on? So if Marzbach says. That this is the site of this bar mitzvah. This simchasa bar mitzvah. Where do you find it? What's the makar? Where do you, show me a makar for that in the Torah. He says, I believe it's this rambam. That the rambam says that when a kayen kisha yigdal ish uh, hayu kasher l'avayda, but ve'enai nikhnas la'azara laveid elabishash halavim ayrim shira. He's not allowed to come into the Azara to do is aveda unless there is an, an atmosphere of happiness, of joy. Otherwise, we can't allow you to enter. I'm sorry, we, you don't come into this aveda unless there is happiness. Unless you hear the Levim singing their Shira and their Zimra, there's no place for you coming in yet. Because if you come in, it has to be with joy. Chinuch has to start with great joy. If I'm being Machanech, a young child to be happy with his avaida, with the fact that he's a Bar Mitzvah, that he's entering the portal of holiness, of service to HaKadosh being a Bar Mitzvah, that means being somebody that's now eligible to do the mitzvahs of Hashem, that's tremendous. But if there's a vacuum of simchav, if it just happens like, you know, and you can hear a pin drop and it's not with excitement and it's not with enthusiasm and it's not with great joy, then we don't allow you to come in because chinuch, inauguration, has to be done with simcha, with happiness. And so we make a very big hoopla around the bar mitzvah because that's the way you enter Veida. You don't enter Avaidah unless it's with joy. You're not allowed to. It has to be with joy because hopefully if we make it really enjoyable and geshmak for the boy, he said, wow, look at me. Everyone's happy for me. There must be something great going on. Now he's going to enter and he's going to really want to do it well, hopefully. But if there wouldn't be that simcha, then, you know, it might not be that way. It's interesting. Just while we're on the topic of Leviim and their shira. When my Bukhar, Shlem Ezalman, when he was turning bar mitzvah, so I took him to Eretz Yisrael for his Hanachas tefillin. And, you know, just me and him, and we went to uh, the Kaisel for the first time, when he put on tefillin for the first time. And then I went, uh, I think that day or the next day, we went to Reb Chaim Kanievsky to get a bracha. And... Somebody, you know, you need a lot of pull to get a special meeting. I, I happened, it was just Siat Deshmaya, we met somebody on a bus somewhere else that was going the next day to Reb Chaim and he had pull, so on his coattails we were able to get into Reb Chaim. And so I was like sort of standing in between my son and, and Reb Chaim Kadievsky. We have very nice pictures of it. And I was like the interpreter between, you know, my son and him. So, uh, you know, he was asking questions about, you know, what his name is, what he does. So I, I just mentioned that, you know, he's a Levi. My family are Leviim. And he jokes. He very, you know, he has a very sweet sense of humor, Reb Chaim. So he says, "Do you have a good voice?" So we laughed. And then he said, "I'm going to give you a bracha." And the bracha is that you should be zeichah to sing shira with the levim in the Beis HaMikdash in Hashem. It's a beautiful bracha. But that's the bracha to give a bar mitzvah bacher. Because a bar mitzvah bacher needs to have the shira of the levim. You have to have the music in your ears to be a bar mitzvah bacher. In order to come in and to have those booster rockets to get you for your whole life to be putting on tefillin with a gishmah. And to be eating matzahs with a geshmak, and to do kibbutz aveim with a geshmak, and to and to learn tire with a geshmak, you need to have a lot of joy that sort of boosts you into that atmosphere. But if you don't have those rockets propelling you, then you could do it, but it's hard. It's much harder. Rab Shlomo Zalman Auerbach used to say to parents, to fathers, when they would bring their sons to him to get brachas, whether it's before Bar Mitzvah or whenever, you know, you bring your son to Rab Zalman, give him a brach, what do you want a brachah for? Well, you know, you always ask, be a big time be a be Israel. So Rab Zalman says, no, that's not the brach I'm giving your son. And he did this all the time. He says, I'm telling you, he said to the father, Make him smile. Make him happy. Make sure that there's joy in his life and then he could do anything he wants. If he's not happy, if he's a miserable person, if he's sad, if he's depressed, if, he's, if there's trouble at home, then you're not going to be able to, to do your Aveda properly because his mind is going to be so scarred from all the sukises and Pesachs and Yom Kippurs and Rosh Hashanahs that went bad. Make sure that he's happy. Make sure that he sees that Torah is that mitzvahs are and he's going to want to do it. So my bracha is that he should be a happy child. You should raise him happy. Be mechanichem happy. Rabbi Zaman always had a ubiquitous signature smile on his face. So it's very hard to ever see Rabbi Zaman not smiling in any picture. Generally speaking, he was always with a smile, and he said, "That was like the default position. We have to like, you know, s- to smile is like an Aveida, right? If somebody makes us laugh, says a joke, we'll smile. But what's our default position of our mouth? Look around the room. Look at me. I mean it's not. That's, that's just how we are. Ribsslemazma's default position was he was smiling. His face was always smiling, always. Now, if it was a, a Levaya, he'd stop smiling. If it was a, you know, if he, somebody pointed out whenever you see him holding a safer tyra, he wasn't smiling. Because he was serious. There was a very there was a reish. But every other time he was always smiling, he was happy, that was his default position. Not because his life was perfect, it was far from perfect. He had a ton of tsaras, he grew up in abject poverty. They had no food to eat. He said there wasn't a day that I, I was that my stomach was ever satiated. No food in the house. He had many siblings. Poverty. Yerushalayim back in the early days of the Yishuv, like there was wars going on and there was siege. Everything that you could possibly not want for a child took place with him. He said there wasn't a day. He said there was. A, I think there was a bacher in, in his shear that one day wasn't there. He says what? And The next day he says, where were you yesterday? You missed Shir. I wasn't feeling well. I didn't come to Shir, right? We always do that, right? I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to go to Seder, Shir. I'm not feeling well. He says, if I didn't come to Seder, Zaman said, every day that I wasn't sick, I would never have come to Seder in my life. I was sick every day. I was malnourished. I wasn't healthy physically. I, was, uh, I had a lot of medical issues. Never felt well. But he was always happy. He always worked on himself to be happy. And that's the bracha that he gave every single person, every boy. That you should just be happy. Be a happy person. Smile. Ramesha Feinstein, perhaps his most famous vart, was when he was speaking about American Jewish history. It's sad, in a way. I mean, we're living now in the glory... Golden era of American Jewry because we have yeshivas, we have Kailim, we have beis Everything is set up beautifully. Baruch Hashem But if you go back, I don't know, sixty years, seventy years, and earlier, it was a midbar. It was very desolate of Tyra, America. Very few people. You had yechidim that were big tzaddikim, Rabbi Akiv of Herman, and they did a lot in order to make sure that. There was Yiddishkeit, and then started coming Gedalem or Feinstein, or Aaron Kotler, uh, Rav Ruderman, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Gedalia Shar, many others. But there was a Tkufa that was very tough in America for Yiddishkeit, and in fact, you find that there are millions and millions of people, Jews, that are not from in America. I don't know if we, if you realize that. I guess you do, but you know we live in a bubble or at least I do, you know, you live in Kew Garden Hills and you go to pizza stores and you go to the mikvah and you go here and you say, oh, it's all, everyone's from. But if you go out to the, you know, to other places in the country, whether it's in California or whether it's in other parts of New York or or, or Middle America or anywhere, you'll find many, many... I, I dare say in the millions cones and Levy's and Kaufmans or whatever they 're not from them no no, no is nothing what happened to them and the Kiev movement in America you know tries and and always has has tried since it started to bring back these souls but what happened to them why did they get lost them and their parents and their grand when, when did that happen it 's a good question right the, it's, they didn 't come over to America if you see the early people that came over like during uh, after World War One, and after World War II and in between, these are from people. You see people with beards, you look at old video footage of the Lower East Side and Williamsburg, you find in there Hasidim, people coming over from, from Ukraine, from Poland, from Russia, from Czechoslovakia. These were from people. So when did all those millions of Jews go off the tariff suddenly? Those parents didn't, they were from. The answer, said Ramesha is that that first wave of immigrants they were Miser Nefesh to keep Shabbos and to do everything Kidasu Kedin but and they tried and, and you have to give them a lot of credit that they were Miser Nefesh to keep Shabbos a lot of times they would get a job on Sunday and then on Friday they would tell their boss I have to go home because it's Shabbos oh you're Shabbos observant get out here's a pink slip and you're fired and then Sunday morning they have to find a brand new job they were meiser nefesh, but what they did wrong, he said, it's not for me to say. This is Rabbi Feinstein saying this: that they would come home and they would tell their children, whether they said it verbally or the children were able to see it on their faces, as is schwer zu which means it's difficult to be Jewish. It's difficult. We're we're being meiser nefesh. But it's, it's a Messiris Nefesh. It's not a simple layup. It, it's, it's, it's tough being Jewish. Look, we have to be Messer Nefesh. I don't have money, and I have to buy matzus, and I have to do this, and to, I'm doing it. But it's tough. Ramesha says that when a child hears those words that it's tough to be a Yid, what he thinks in his mind is what? Okay, my parents, they—they they have minhag av seinu You know, they came from Europe. They had grandparents that were from, and great grandparents, and they were in, in the ghettos and in uh, and in the shtetlach, and they had no choice but to be from. I'm an American. I have an American passport. I have a driver's license. I don't need this. I could take my car and I could go into the wild blue yonder. I could do any anything I want. This is the land of Coca-Cola and driving movies and, uh, and uh, McDonald's and, 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 and movies. And, 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 uh, I could do it. I don't need this. My parents, okay, they took one for God. They took a bullet for God. I don't need to do this. And so they peeled away from Yiddishkeit because they felt that it wasn't geschmack to be a Yid. Ramesha said, had that generation conveyed to their children that it's geschmack to be Jewish... That next generation probably would have, for the most part, stayed from. But because they didn't enter into the Aveda with the Shira Salavim, they didn't hear the joy. They didn't see it. They didn't see the happiness and the. They, they just saw misery and they saw discomfort. They saw difficulty. I don't want to enter the portal of Hinach with difficulty. I want life to be good. I want to enjoy my life. If I see my parents, Loving Yiddishkeit, enjoying it, doing it with a geshmak. When they go buy a lulav and esrog, they're 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 excited to do so, and they're not complaining. Oh my gosh, these are love esrog and a you know, hundred bucks I have to spend on a lemon or matzahs. How many people, you know, forty dollars a pound for matzahs? And it's true. I mean, it, you know, it, it's not that it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. But when you convey that to children, when they hear that. What they're really hearing is, you don't like what you're doing. And I don't want to not like what I'm doing. I want to like what I'm doing. When parents are enjoying what they're doing, when Rabbeim are enjoying what they do, if a, if a Talmud sees a Rebbe and he's in love with Tyre, it's it's Geyem chayeno. he's going to want to also learn and, and, and maybe be a Rebbe someday. If he sees Rabbi Him are like, you know, complaining about their salaries all day and, you know, and, and, and you know, and not enjoying it and, like, not... Then they don't want... What, what why would I want to do this? That's the way... That's Chinuch. Chinuch means to show a Talmud that it's Gishmak to do Avedis Hashem. That we don't allow you to come in to do your aveda unless there's a Shira that's playing loud and clear in the atmosphere. Aaron and Ubanov were not allowed to come in unless it's Yem Shmini Limiluim. It had to be that joy for them to start their Aved because without that it ain't going to fly. I'll tell you an amazing story about Ramesha that I think ties in very nicely with this of that he always used to say constantly. And you find it, by the way, in his Svarim. In Darash Meisha, in his, which is a Sefer on Chumash, in a few places he alludes to this. You cite how you have to mechanech children that it's Geshmak to be a yid; that it's you're you're the luckiest person in the world if you're from. So listen to this story. Ramesha was sleeping one night. It was eleven thirty at night. He was asleep. There were some kids that were. Like a shetiko off the derech, and they were prank calling Rabbonim, randomly. They had a list of Rabbonim, and they just like were calling them with like random made up lists, but just to make fun, like just as a as a you know a prank call, a prank call. And one of the people on the list was Ramesha. so uh, you know they gave. There's a group of guys making. Okay, they, Chaim, you call Rabbi Feinstein. He says I should call Ramesha Feinstein. He says, yeah, it's your turn. I, you know, we, I did uh, you know, this pesach. he did this pesach. Now it's your turn, Ramesha Feinstein. He says, it's 11.30 and I should wake the La Dar. He says, I might be off the Dara, but I'm not stupid. So he says, yeah, it's your turn. Call Ramesha. So he calls Ramesha. The Rabbitson answers the phone. And she says, um, you know, my husband's sleeping. Is it very important? So he pauses a second and says, Yeah. He says, she said, I'm going to wake him up for this. Yeah, wake him up. Okay, so so far lightning didn't strike him for some reason. But he, uh, Ramesha comes to the phone. He says, what? he watches. Neigodasi. He says, that comes to the phone and says, what's the shiloh? It's the emergency. So this boy makes up some random, like ridiculous question to ask. Ramesha is very smart and he he hops right away. This is like some bogus crank call that this fucker was making. So he basically Ramesha says to him, "What yeshiva do you learn in?" So he no, he, said he didn't really want to tell because he didn't want to get in trouble. Anyway, after a while, he told him what yeshiva he goes. Is what what shir, Who's your rebbe? Said which what his rebbe's name was. What gemara are you learning? He was lucky that he knew what Gemara he was learning. He says, do you know what Daf it was? He says, I think it's Daf He. Anyway, so Ramesh says, I'll tell you a question on, on Daf hey. He. And he tells him the question. He says, did you understand the question? He says, no, I don't really know the Gemara. He says, Ramesha says, okay, it's 1130 at night. Ramesha Feinstein he says, get a Gemara out and I'll get my Gemara out. Not that Ramesha needed a Gemara but he says, and let's learn. Let's learn what you're learning together. And Ramesh went over to the Gemara once. says, did you chop the Gemara? He says no. Let's do it again. Learned it again. Now you got it a little bit better, but not really. Let's do it again. Did it again and again and again, like the Gemara in Erevin, You know, prayed, uh, um, prayed. Uh, he taught a Talmud four hundred times. I don't know if it was four hundred times, but it was it was a lot. So. After he hopped the Gemara really well, Ramesh says, Okay, now you're ready for my kasha on this Gemara. And he, he, he explained the kasha again, and the boy, like it blew his brain open. It was like, Wow, that's an amazing question. I didn't hop at first, because I didn't know the Gemara. But now that you explained to me so perfectly the Gemara, now I understand so clearly the kasha that you're asking. So Ramesha says, Tomorrow I want you to ask this kasha to your rabbi and Shir. So the boy was so happy. Ramesh was him that it's so geschmack to be a yid by the time he hung up the phone. And he ran to yeshiva the next day. This boy it was like the biggest troublemaker in yeshiva. He ran to yeshiva the next day and he, his rabbi, you know, he, the rabbi starts saying the Gemara again. This boy knew the Gemara cold. He raises his hand. He says, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? He says, you want to go to the bathroom again? Okay, go to the bathroom again. He says, no, no, Rebbe, I have a question on the Gemara. He says, what, which Masechta we're doing? What, what do you mean you have a question on the Gemara? We're learning, you know, Baba Kama. like, no, no Rebbe, I have a good question. So the Bachar asks the Rebbe this question. It was a bomb. And the Rebbe says, where'd you get that question from? says, so, Ramesha Feinstein asked it to me last night. So the Rebbe says, I need to think about this question. Give me a few days. And the Rebbe like spent days and days trying to and then finally came up with the Yishov. He told the Bacher. I think the Bacher called Ramesha back and they discussed it more after this whole incident was over, the Spacher went into his room, and he cried. And he came out of his room, and he told his parents, I want to turn my life around. I never felt that anyone really believed in me until Ramesha that night. Ramesha had every right in the world to call the cops on me, to hang up the phone, to call me an ice bar, to call me every name. Instead, he turned it all around and he made it from darkness to light. He gave me time. He gave me patience. He taught me the Geshmak of Tyra. He gave me the greatest question. He made me feel whole again. Now my Rabbi loves me. If Ramesha Feinstein could do that to me, I want to be myself a Ben Tyra. I myself want to be a conduit to change other people's lives and to show them the beauty of Yiddish Gai. And this Bacher became a tremendous Talmud Chacham and he became a Marbitz ta'ir, one of the great Marbitz Taira of Ardar. Hundreds and maybe thousands of Talmudim from this person, from this Bacher, who turned his life because of one night with Ramesh Feinstein. That's Chinuch. Chinuch means that you don't have an atmosphere of atzvos and of depression, of seriousness it has to be with a gashmak it has to be with simcha, it has to be with joy, it has to be with shira if you can be mechanich a child with that atmosphere then the child has no choice but to be a tamad chacham and to be a shaym r'tayra mitzvah in the highest order because he wants to do what makes him happy, if he sees that his parents are happy with what they're doing he will be happy That same Rebbe that I told you had this vard about the Klea Mikdash, the genius Rabbi that I told you about before. He was a Rebbe, and I think I said this not too long ago, but he had a, a tremendous upbringing. Him and his siblings were all and are all G'day Taira. They're all Rosh Yeshivas and the greatest Yeshivas in Israel, Mechab Re Svarim, Tremendous, tremendous amkus and bekius in learning. Like I said before, he, he's arguably the greatest hamilchacham. Not, but it wasn't just an accident. Every one of his siblings are also tremendous hamilchachamim. And next door to their house was a, a very big rosh shiva who was not successful in raising his children or his child to be a Talmud Chacham on that caliber and, and nowhere near that caliber. And they once asked this great Rosh Shiva, why is it, I guess they have to figure out the right way to ask this if the story is true, but how is it that your next door neighbor who is not you, he's a, you know, a Talmud Chacham but not, you know, more, whatever, he raised children that are all tremendous in Tara. And your ch- child is not. What happened? What's the difference? You would think it's the opposite. And this great Rosh Hashiva, who I'm not going to say his name, obviously, because I want to protect his covered. but he's one of the greatest Rosh Hashivas of his time, if not the greatest, said the following. He said that my neighbor on Friday night would make Kiddush and would have ga'la fish and then they would sing zmiris him and his sons and they would sing harmony and i heard it harmonies and, and beautiful solos and they were like had a tish throughout the night with the Shabbos and and family and the and the mother and the it was it was a matzah of simcha it was joy it was shira and when he raised those children in that matzah they they became great gedilim because they were in a, in a situation, in, a, in an atmosphere, in an ecosystem of joy. But my table on Shabbos did not look like that, unfortunately. Because we had the challah, fish, kiddush, piece of chicken, and I, maybe one, one zemmer quickly, I'll be to Yaituzain, maybe I said avart, vart, benched and ran to my rambam. And I thought that I was doing the right thing. I thought, you know, this is what the Ratzon Hashem is. You've got to learn Torah Shabbos to learn. He says, but it didn't work. Children need to feel happiness and joy in order to, it's more important sometimes to sing smiris with your child and to make them smile than to say, sit down, let's, let's learn what you did this week. It's not a father's job. A father's job is not to be a Rebbe. It's nice also to teach Torah. There's a mitzvah of a shinanta, but that's, not, that's, that's after. But there has to be a foundation of happiness that a father and a mother bring into the home. The stipler going used to say that the secret to raising great children, and he was obviously an expert in this. Look who he raised. The stipler is the father of Chaim Kanievsky. He says the secret, the formula to raising great children... I'll give you the secret formula. You know, like Coca Cola, it's a secret formula. Nobody really knows how to make Coca Cola. It's like, it has to be like a committee. One guy each knows the, the recipe and, you know, and, and it's kept in some vault in order because they don't want anyone getting near the secret recipe, the secret sauce of making Coca Cola. This is how you make a child that's going to be a guggle. Here it is. Here's the, the formula 50% tefillah to daven that that child should be a tamad chacham and, and 50% shalom bias. There has to be harmony, not just between a husband and wife, but between parents and children, parents and, uh, and grandparents. Every, there has to be harmony in the house. If there is harmony and tefillah for those children, that's the, then you have the sunshine and you have the rain and you have all of the right conditions so that Torah and children could bloom in that house. If you don't have Shalom bias or you don't have tfilo, or you don't have either. It's very difficult to raise children in that atmosphere. Now I know you're thinking to yourselves, okay, great. Um, you know, at least those of you that might not have had that experience of that joy growing up and you would not be in the in the minority if you weren't. I think you'd be in the vast majority because Life is stressful, and parents don't always have that ability to smile all the time, nor should they or could they. But a lot of us have not had that beauty of Torah growing up. Maybe we had it in Eretz Yisrael, maybe we had it here, maybe... But I'm not giving the schmooze for today and, and going back in history. That we can't change. What's past is past. I'm giving the schmooze so that when you yourselves become fathers whenever that time is you should remember this. You should raise your family in joy. Make it happy. Make it gishmak. Show them how beautiful it is. Even if you're not always feeling it, fake it. But make sure that sukkah is geshmak and pesach is geshmak, rosh hashanah is geshmak. That you're bringing all of the birchas mayadecha to your home every Shabbos, every day, every supper. You put your phone away and you say, you know, a funny story, a joke, and you you make the kids laugh a little bit. You tickle them. You bring joy to the house, and that's how you raise healthy children. That's chinuch. Chinuch is not how much you inject into their brains. It's how much love and happiness is injected in their heart. And it's also, I might add, very important, not just to bookmark this for when you're married with children, whatever that is, but it's also important today because as members of yeshiva, we're all in this laboratory of chinuch. This is what we are. This is really what it all boils down to. What are we doing here? We're doing chinuch. We are involved in chinuch. In order for us to want to learn, and in order for the yeshiva to be a, have that atmosphere that's conducive to learning, first seder, second seder, night seder, Erev Shabbos, Sunday, Shabbos, Yom There has to be joy in the yeshiva. There has to be that we're on Yay Mashmini. This is the Yay Mashmini. Every day is Yay Mashmini in the yeshiva. That's what a yeshiva is supposed to be. It's a place of happiness. If the yeshiva is depressing, if it's lonely, if it's morbid, if it's quiet, it's not a yeshiva. The Altef and used to make his yeshiva a place that was mole simcha. It was a, a place that was bursting with joy. And that's why, not coincidentally, he raised the G'dayim of, of America, of Eretz Yisrael, of Europe. People like Rav Shachar, B'yach Karnetsky, Rav Ruderman, Rav Huttner. Uh, the list goes on and on. All the great Rosh Yeshivas, Rav Sh- in Eretz Israel and in America and in Europe came from that little yeshiva called Slabatka where there was joy that was manifest every day in that yeshiva. When there is happiness you, you must be a Talmud Chacham. I once spoke to one of the greatest Talmidim that we ever had in yeshiva and he once went away for a, it was like an intercession you know, we have Baruch Hashem in this yeshiva we have, most yeshivas go from Sukkot all the way straight till Pesach, right? You're off for Hanukkah, you have an off Shabbos here and there. Baruch Hashem, we have ample intercessions, and then we're off in June till, till September. Uh, you know, we have more, I think it's parts Merubah la'aymeid almost. There's more non-yeshiva than yeshiva. Be that as it may, so this Talmud during intercession went to a kailo, an out-of-town kailo. I don't remember where it was, but it was a small kailal, an out-of-town kailal, and he parked himself there for a couple of weeks during intercession. And when he came back, I shmoozed him, I said, you know, how is your Ben Azmanim, was your intercession? He said, it was unbelievable. He so it was unbelievable. I said, what did you do again? You went skiing? He said, no, no, no. He says, uh, I went to this out-of-town kailal. He says, so tell me what your haragish was. What was, what, what was your impressions of that experience? He says, besides for the intensity of the learning that, w- that blew me away, he says, there was such joy there. All of these Avreichim that were not wealthy, they weren't climbing a corporate ladder, they weren't making it, they weren't driving Teslas and, and Lambos. So they were living simply, but they were so happy. They were singing, as like they were, you know, walking from their table to the to look up a, a risha and They were they were singing. It was joyous, and that experience changed that bacher. That bacher, when he was finished learning here after many years, he went to Lakewood. Today, he's he's one of the mitsuyanim of Lakewood. He's perhaps one of the greatest guys learning in Lakewood today. I'm still in very close contact with him. I just emailed him yesterday. From the Mitsuyonim of Lakewood. All because he saw that there's joy. When you see joy, you want to be a part of it. If we would be able to sit together, not me, you guys, from the grassroots, and figure out, how to make the Beis Medrash the hub of activity. The place of joy in the yeshiva. This is where you want to be. You don't want to be in the game room, in the hub, in the this and the that, you, in the hangout. You want to be in the, in the Beis Medrash because that's where the action is. That's where people are steiging, That's where they're happy. That's where there's joy. That's where they're singing. That's where I want to be. That's Chinuch. That's what a yeshiva is. We're starting out a new zman now. It's a short but that's good when it's short. That means that we have a, it's not left. We can, we can accomplish a lot in a short amount of time, concentrated. If we could put our heads together and figure out how to make music in the Beis Medrash, how to make it joyous, that I want to come into the doorways of the base Medrash because it's always Geshmak. There's a Kaltaira there. Bayayimu valaila. That would make this yeshiva the greatest yeshiva in the world. Because that's the secret to Chinuch. Figuring out how to make something exciting, happy, enthusiastic, joyous. That's the secret to any success in life. If you can get your customers in the door and happy to be there, you're a millionaire. So we don't have to wait to be fathers and grandparents and make it. Eh, it's today. It's ha la It's incumbent upon every member of any yeshiva in the world but we're talking to this yeshiva to make it happy in the base medrash to make it simchadik. and when people are walking around happy excited to learn pulling other people into the shir, into the Kabura into Talang aidish into whatever it is the more that we're excited about it the more other people will magnetically be pulled into the base medrash and they'll want the yeshiva to grow and they'll want to grow with the yeshiva and that's That's what it's all about, in a nutshell. Make people happy and they'll want to come. The greatest recruitment technique is not going to Eretz Yisrael and giving a great speech and a great drush and and, and, and thinking that that's going to bring the boy. The greatest recruitment is when the guys in yeshiva are happy. There are shayars, matzis, the whole world will know that Lander is a place that guys are happy. It's Gishmak in Lander. It's, it's, it's a yeshiva, and they're excited to be here. And Baruch Hashem, we're doing very well. Don't get me wrong. This is not a hespit for Lander. We're doing very well. But there's always room for improvement. There's always room for improvement, and you are the dar currently that must improve it if you want to be a part of yeshiva. You could be one of the guys that are not here. I'm sure there are many guys that are not here for whatever reason today. And, you know, and they just, they're just they here in name only. They're matriculated on a list somewhere, and, uh, and they'll graduate with the same diploma as you got after the end of their experience. But they're not fooling anyone by not being here. They're fooling themselves. But you, if you could figure out a way to pull them in and tell them, you know, you have to come to the Mashkiyach it's, it's, Shmuz, it's amazing. Or you have to come to the Sheer Lali because, you know, you're going to be amazed... Or you have to come to night Seder because there's a lot going on. Or Shabbos in Yeshiva was phenomenal because we sang Zmiras and we made a Tish and, and we made a Malavamalka Malko that, that I never had in my life. That's going to make the Yeshiva great. So we're at the beginning of the Zman. It's a perfect time to talk about this. It's Bayeyim Hashmini. It's coming in on the joyous times of the first week of the Zman, the first Shabbos of the Zman. At that point, Aaron Uvanov comes in to do their Aveda. We're coming in to our Aveda, but our Aveda is to ensure that the Simcha, the freshness, the Geshmak of the beginnings stays with us throughout the end of the Zman and beyond. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Rabbi Seh.